0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Welcome to the Perkins Platform. This is a solutions-oriented podcast and live radio show. Each broadcast, we dedicate just about 30 minutes to explore contemporary issues and solutions in leadership, and this is your host, Brian Perkins. Uh, today we have a guest with us from uh, University of Illinois, Champaign-Urbana, uh, professor and uh, chancellor's postdoctoral uh, research fellow uh in American Indian studies um Dr. Lindsey Stallone's Marshall welcome Lindsey
2: Thanks for having me
1: So glad to have you um you know Lindsey just uh as I mentioned before we we went live um you know, one of the beauties of this um this platform is that I have the opportunity to invite who I want to have a conversation with you know um, some years ago, a, a colleague and friend of mine, um, after hearing so many countless stories of of um, these great conversations I had on airplanes or in conferences or, you know, at receptions, um, said, you know, you ought to have a, a talk TV show. And I said, well, no, not that. But he convinced me <laughs> to take a stab at the um, at the uh, uh, podcast and live radio. And it's really been a um, joy over the years um, since 2012 to invite people like you who have written about topics that I think are interesting to me, and they seem to be aligned with what a lot of people are interested in hearing about. And so thank you for agreeing to have this um, short conversation with me. Um, as I, I've read uh, a little bit about the work that you've done and... Um, um, before we get into the, the real crux of why I invited you to come on, I'd love to hear a little bit about your work. As I told you, I was fascinated to hear about your work that you're doing in uh, American Indian Studies. Um, so tell us a little bit about um, your work on that topic.
2: Absolutely. Um, and if it's all right, I'd like to start just by acknowledging that the university that employs me and funds this research uh, sits on the lands of the Peoria, Kaskaskia, Piyankashaw, Weah, Miami, Miskutin, Ogawa, yeah. Sauk, Meskwaki, Kickapoo, Potawatomi, Ojibwe, and Chickasaw Nations. And so mm-hmm. it's really important for me to remember that my paycheck comes from the forced removal of the people uh, who that forced removal facilitates a, a historical narrative that erases their presence. And so I, mm-hmm. I like to make sure to to mention that at the beginning because public memory and education, particularly history education, are so closely connected. And that's really what I work on. I'm Absolutely. what happens when a history teacher gets frustrated.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> I no, I understand.
2: US history. Yeah, I was teaching U.S. history and I was um, trying to find a way to make the Native history timeline make better sense within the U.S. history timeline. And in my effort to reconcile the two, I realized that. The narrative that i was required to teach according to california state content standards and college board curriculum and the narrative i was learning about native history were incompatible and so that's what i went to graduate school to explore and i'm currently working on a book about the memory work that the wars for westward expansion that followed the civil war do in our curriculum to to create a a kind of white-centered narrative that casts mm-hmm. Native nations as obstacles to American progress and, and explains why this frontier identity remains such a draw um, in American society and, and how that harms Native nations and their assertions of sovereignty.
1: Sure, sure. And and um, so the the nations that you investigate and, 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 and research are those that were a part of uh, those impacted by westward expansion, um, and and I assume all the way to uh, the Pacific in that case.
2: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I focus particularly on three wars that show up in history textbooks between about 1870 and 1980. And so mm-hmm. that's the, the war where Custer is famous for losing. <laughs> There's yes. uh, the Nez Perce War and the Modoc War on the California-Oregon border.
1: hmm well you know what's what's really interesting to me is that you know i'm I'm of course familiar because it is it is something that has been uh has made kind of the general textbooks around custer but the other um mm-hmm. the other wars that you just mentioned are not ones that I'm familiar with and 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 that I'm sure there are a lot of other aspects of this. Uh, that um, that a lot of the listeners also haven't heard about. I I, I think about. I'm, I'm originally from a small uh, town in northern Alabama, and um, just since you know I graduated from high school, they have placed placards um, acknowledging the the Trail of Tears um, through okay. that area. Um, It was certainly something in Alabama history that we learned, you know, as early as eighth grade. But I I definitely know that it was not something that we spent much time on. Certainly, we spent more time, for example, on uh, exploration, European exploration than we did. Um, You know, we had to learn the different, you know, kind of memorize the different tribes um, but, but beyond that, there was not much about, uh, contribution and what have you to, uh, to American way of life and, um any of, the, any of those kinds of, uh, areas. So thank you for the work that you're doing, uh, especially yeah. in bringing this out and, and making sure that some of these stories and, and the narratives around, uh, those peoples have uh, make their way into textbooks, um, which brings me to um, what, why I wanted to talk to you, um, because I've read I've read some of your um, thoughts about the this 1776 commission, and I, I know that as I've I've um, talked to a number of public school teachers and others about. Uh, about it and I I just basically asked the question so what do you know about the 1776 commission and a lot of people say I don't know much at all I mean you know they they've heard things on the news I know it was kind of rushed um but I what I'd love to hear from you about is your opinion on you know how this came about um really you know from best I can um, can uh, tell and summarize that some of it is a direct response to the 1619 project. I don't want to get too much into that, but um but <laughs> what was the reason from your perspective that th- you know the the last administration found that this 1776 commission was important to impanel?
2: Right. Yeah, it helps to understand it in the context of these battles over particularly U.S. history and narratives in education. And, you know, if you spend five minutes looking through U.S. history education, uh, we have these battles quite frequently. Um, this seems from the last administration, I think it's absolutely a direct response to the popularity of the 1619 Project and, and the claims of, of the project. Um, but also, you know, the last administration proposed a Garden of American Heroes. There were executive orders about federal buildings having to conform to particular aesthetics that recall the neoclassical mm. era and things like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And
2: so so this is a larger project um, that's, that's on the right, that the administration really pursued. Um, that claims that, I, I guess the best way to say it is that, America has fallen, that everybody is embarrassed to be an American, all we talk about in school is the bad things that America has done, that there's some kind of anti-American current in history education, and that we need to restore patriotic education. So there was an executive order signed uh, just a few days before the election in November, um, and then the commission that it created issued their report to Um, and, And the report itself was sort of kind of gobbledygook some of it was self-plagiarized um it, it, it was kind of a greatest hit of kind of proud to be an american version of us history there yeah, wasn't sure. a lot of there, there weren't a, there wasn't a lot of scholarship involved um it, it was very much about decrying the decline of u.s history education and i had to laugh a little bit because um I, I could have sworn some of the statements in this report and in the executive order had been ripped straight out of documents that I'm examining from the 1920s making the mm. same arguments about US history education being anti-American. Um, mm-hmm. there, there was even a, a mayoral campaign in Chicago in 1927, um, and the, the candidate who won, Big Bill Thompson, uh, he ran on a campaign to defeat anti-American textbooks in Chicago schools, and I Mm -hmm. have some of his literature from that campaign, and he literally, you know, put in the literature, American children are being taught to be ashamed of being American in their
0: schools, Mm
1: -hmm. and
2: this is something we've heard over and over, so in some ways, it's nothing new, um, but the level of attention, particularly from the office of president given to it, seems uh, quite, quite alarming. (laughs) Sure, (laughs) sure
1: well you, well you know um I found it also laughable uh that some of the descriptions that came straight from uh the White House last time uh and this well when it was actually uh published that some of the announcement included word uh, you know kind of phrases like uh this report attempts um uh to offer a rebuttal of reckless re-education attempts." that seek to reframe American history, right? So this idea that somehow what was there, you know, kind of pre um, 1960, so to speak, like that was the real truth. And now what's happening is actually the reframing of history. I thought that was pretty uh, interesting that they, they framed it that way.
2: Absolutely. It, it's really bizarre, um, because in, in the book I'm working on, I'm, I'm working very hard to try to argue that the way we teach history now is based in American exceptionalism, right? We teach mm-hmm. Native mm-hmm. history, though so it's this minor thread in the story of the United States, when in reality, U.S. history occurs within the context of Native history. Mm-hmm. and So our entire timeline is upside down. Um, and so the notion that You know, everything we we learn about in school is is about how America is evil. You know, I taught for 11 years. I don't remember teaching that. I remember being frustrated about not teaching that. I think at one point the report calls uh, people like us petty tyrants that must be Mm -hmm. defended against. Mm -hmm. Um, But but it's also, it's a similar conversation to what we saw with the removal of Confederate monuments, where, you know, those who want to keep these Confederate monuments up argue that this is revisionist history trying to take them down when in reality, the monuments are the revisionist history. Right. Um, Right. There's a very similar pattern occurring here with this project and and the state bills trying to instill its principles. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes. And, and, you know, I mean, this is unrelated to the report, but um, something that I found really confusing and I think a lot of people have is that we have um US army bases that are named after Confederate um soldiers, after Confederate generals, what mm. have you. And and it it actually is just irony at its best that that they would name <laughs> um these these uh bases that are United States government, the Union bases after traitors. And, you know, I mean, it it doesn't matter, you know, as much that there were people who really believed and, you know, it's like these people fought for what they believed in. That's true. But they were on the wrong side of it. You know, they they were they fought for the wrong thing and that we we turned around and made those people heroes. And so, you know, my point is, though that that is the true reframing of history the re uh, the retelling of history and 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 i mm-hmm. i i think it's uh just fascinating how we haven't had many of those conversations um about right. why why that exists so i i mean i i hear and i I'd, I'd love to hear more about um the kind of the the parallel history that is native history Um, that hasn't been told. Um, but likewise, the, the history, the stories that were reframed, um, shortly after the civil war and people who were, who were made to be, um, heroes that were in fact not heroes
2: right right yes and and these were you know constructed efforts people worked Mm -hmm. very hard to make that happen
0: um Mm -hmm. we
2: the united daughters of the confederacy get most of the credit for it but they certainly weren't alone um and i found i was really surprised to find a similar story with these narratives about wars against native nations on the plains following the war Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. and i think there are a number of things going on that create this so if you think about the period of late 19th century America, this is a massive expansion in public schooling. So you have a ton more kids that need to learn. Um, you have the, the rise of these textbook companies to provide textbooks for these classrooms. You have an influx of immigrants from parts of the country that immigrants haven't traditionally come from yet. That, you know, we've, want to, quote, unquote, assimilate into U.S. society. You have the Civil War in the rearview mirror and not that far back, so you're really worried about presenting a cohesive narrative that can move us past this division, particularly after, you know, the, the violence of Reconstruction. And, um, and what you end up getting is the U.S. history classroom in schools functioning as sort of a place to solve all those problems, and what gets prioritized just like there, there's a historian, David Blight, who writes about this trend nationally in terms of the Union and the Confederacy coming together. Um, you know, we had this this choice to to really pursue the ideals of the Civil War Amendments, 13, 14, and 15, and really secure rights for formerly enslaved persons. Mm-hmm. Um, but the nation chose instead to, to move forward with this false unity. Um, and I think a very similar thing happened. The, the frontier provided the absolute perfect means for doing that, because we could just mm-hmm. all turn our attention west. We could make settlement the main story. And we already had a built-in enemy, the Native nations who were living there, who we could – you know, cast all of that anti-American, anti-progressive kind of idea upon, and then by settling the West, um, that became the new U.S. identity, and we didn't have to think about Sectionalist crisis before the civil war and slave versus free states and things like that
0: Mm -hmm. Um, and
2: because western settlement presented this opportunity to so many people it was a really attractive narrative and the people who physically you know performed that violence the indian war veterans their widows uh, and wives and children they did the same kind of work that the united daughters of the confederacy did in Mm -hmm. casting their action as the heroic center of westward expansion there's there's material I've been looking at that even has these Indian war veteran associations claiming that they made America safe for democracy, which is a phrase that's Mm -hmm. going to come back later with Wilson (laughs) about making Mm -hmm. the world safe for democracy. So I think this is all very intentionally constructed, but, you know, we've lived with this narrative for so long. We don't really think about it kind of like the monuments, kind of like those military bases. But when you stop and think about it, uh, for about five minutes, it becomes really confusing, and yeah. there's, there's absolutely something there.
1: Sure, sure. Uh, and and so, what do you think they? Re- so was this just wholeheartedly that the the single focus and goal of this was that the people who served on this commission were given a charge to kind of undo. The, what what the conversation is now cuz you know as i've read bits and pieces where you know for example on the topic of slavery they talk about you know George Washington owned slaves but by the end of his life he right. became he he i think the the way they framed it was that he he came to detest it um and that, that right. you know that uh Thomas Jefferson um by the way was the one that offered much of the language that talked about equality and so forth. So what was the purpose of this commission to kind of say, see, they weren't bad people or they weren't I mean, I think they were they were they were complex human beings as we all are and deeply flawed individuals as well, but and conflicted. Um but but was there was there kind of commission really about um stemming the tide around this this acknowledgement that there were things that were bad and things that were wrong.
0: Yeah. I, like, mean, what, I guess my question out. is
1: what what was the real what was the real purpose of this commission? Right. Like, what what was their what was their commission?
2: I mean it it really just seems to reflect, you know, a in long trends a pattern in history education particularly us history education um of fear of non-patriotism the Mm -hmm. the notion that if if we're too critical of the past if we're too honest with children especially we don't really trust children to be thinkers which is um because then they grow up and feel lied to when they start investigating things themselves um but when we're worried that if we talk about too much contradiction um, then somehow, you know, our, our entire way of life will be lost. In fact, our way of life being lost is, is a recurring theme in the report. Um, there, there is a lot of fear-based language, uh, concern that, um, you know, if we don't restore patriotic education, American principles are going to die, um, that, that history should be inspiring and unifying. Um, but the deep irony of it is is that if we don't, train students to Think through these hard questions when they're going mm-hmm. to enter a world full of hard questions. Yeah. Um, they are either going to be unable to think and just continue to look for the next person to hand them a set of content that makes sense mm-hmm. to them,
0: or mm-hmm. they're going to feel
2: lied to and fall into cynicism. And I see mm-hmm. that so much with my undergraduates. They come into my classroom, and, and their number one question is, "Why didn't we ever learn this?" <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> my answer mm-hmm. is, "Well, oh. right, uh, right, because it's hard, and people didn't trust you to think about it." And I'm sorry. Right
1: hmm. And so I see where you you previously served as a high school history teacher. Did you try mm-hmm. to balance this? You know, I mean, you you were one of a few people probably at your school, but did 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 you try to um, say, OK, here's what the book is telling you. But let me tell you kind of deeper, give some deeper meaning to what happened.
2: Right. Yes. I mean, I did as much as I could, but I was on this journey myself. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the mm-hmm. way we train to go into a history classroom. I I spent four years as an undergraduate taking mostly classes on medieval Britain because I was excited about medieval Britain as an
0: undergraduate, <laughs> and then I was
2: handed world history to teach as though mm. I, I had studied it at <laughs> all. Um, so so I spent a lot of time in the summer trying to learn what I was supposed to be teaching. So as sure as I learned more, particularly about US history, because I wasn't particularly interested in US history in college, um, I, I began to see these points of contention between what you know the the textbook wanted me to say, or the I was teaching AP US history, so what College Board mandated that it would be in the curriculum, and what I was reading from scholars who were talking about in the field. And I think one huge part of the conflict is, um, social studies education particularly in in the form that the 1776 commission report wants it to be taught um but but not only we can't just blame a partisan fight over this like we all kind of land here somehow um it it wants to approach students with confidence here is the story of america that can tell you how to act um Mm -hmm. that history as i've become a historian i've realized that the the primary kind of character trait that helps me as a historian is having humility in the face of evidence. Yeah, and those two things yeah. are in pretty deep conflict in a history classroom. Um, so I tried. I probably really confused a lot of students, <laughs> but I hope yeah. I'm better at it now.
0: Sure. Um, but sure. yeah,
2: I find that the more honest uh, I can be with my students about the fact that we are studying narrative that has been constructed and invite mm. them in to understanding how historians examine narrative and evidence and things like that and and how that conflicts with kind of popular memory about historical events. Um, First of all, the more interesting the class is. And second of all, the more eager they are to learn more because they're being invited into the process instead of being told what happened.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. And to think critically. That's that's, uh, really important, you know, not to just accept it because, you know, your your history teacher uh, told you so. Um, thank you so much. Uh, so those of you who just joined us, you've reached the uh, Perkins platform, and um, I, I have with me uh, Dr. Lindsay Stallone uh, Marshall, who um, is uh, um, a uh, PhD in history from the University of Oklahoma and is doing a post postdoc research in american indian studies at uh, university of illinois uh, champaign urbana um, and uh, for those of you who might want to call in uh, the call in number is 657-383-1481 again 657-383-1481 I, I see some people already on the switchboard um, and we'll try to get in as many as we can but i have um a caller i'm going to take on uh, now uh from a 360 area code caller are you there
0: yes i am can you guys hear me okay
1: yes can hear you fine
0: perfect um and dr marshall i wanted to kind of add this point to the discussion because uh, i've been studying uh lost cause mythology and how mm. it's affected academia particularly at the collegiate level because i teach u.s history myself and one of the conclusions that I have come with with the 1776 uh, project is that it is to give kind of a academic credence or validity to a lot of the lost cause uh, ideas. Yes. Uh, it's kind of like how, uh, you'll forgive me for mentioning other project uh, other members, but like Ben Shapiro or uh, Prager U, where they give this professional take that as you may presentation and they're like this is how it is and this mm. is how you can combat it and when and academically the 1776 uh, project or commission i apologize for calling it a, pro- a project academically can be broken down very very easily but mm. and that's why you were saying we as academics have to be very careful because a lot of the people who believe in these projects have been spoon fed for years that any mm. kind of contradiction to that is quote-unquote, fake news. In fact, in the 1776 right. um, commission, they're like, this is what's happening on our college campuses. So they've already been yeah. trained to automatically um, yeah,
2: repeat what Yeah, and it's what not say. just from those actors. Like, our, our entire narrative of U.S. history in schools has been telling them that America is exceptional and that we don't question that, right? So, so it's Absolutely. not even just the people who will come out and threaten it, um, the lost cause thrives because it found ground to grow in um, so so yeah absolutely it's it 's a huge challenge and and this is why too i was I was really concerned when the the m- m- kind of massive response by you know people who are historians like me was to combat the report itself instead of immediately turning to local school boards and looking and seeing, okay, how do the teachers in my area need my support? Um, and who's running for the school board (laughs) election,
0: Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm.
2: that's where the the rubber's really meeting the road, right? As a classroom teacher, I'm far more worried about, you know, the school board and my principal and, you know, district superintendent than I am about, you know, some commission, you know, created by an executive order.
1: Right. Well, but, but, you know, the other part to this is that, you know, there's been this groundswell um, and had been before where, I mean, this isn't related, but probably tangentially related to the 1776 Commission is where now there there are people that are saying there are um, topics you can teach like critical race theory uh, mm-hmm. and saying that that's right. and you know anti-american it's splitting our country and so um, I, I can imagine that had the election outcomes been different that there might have been uh, a, a push right. to to kind of outlaw or mandate that certain types of um, of conversations be off limits um, for, for American history. And
2: that's, what's really strange about this moment for me, right? You know, we we had the fight over Common Core, which most of the actors doing the anti-critical race theory thing are basically the same groups. They've just renamed themselves. And we had the fight over the AP U.S. History Curriculum Redesign in 2014, which students, actually, I was so proud, in Denver, Colorado helped to combat that, right? They marched around mm-hmm. the Capitol um, and refused refused the legislature to, to deprive them of AP classes, which was great. Um, but the the... The way that this particular framing of it is working in the legislation, not just to say this particular curriculum is bad or this particular textbook is associated with something bad. Or if we go back even to the teens and 20s, this teacher has communist sympathies, right? We had so many red scares uh, for teachers in that time. This says an idea can't be taught. And you know, we all think of the Scopes trial, but I, I struggle to think of a time when a state government tried to outlaw the teaching of an idea,
0: yeah. um, particularly it, an
2: idea that's not that, that's taught in law school. It's
0: not, it's not yeah. really
2: taught in K twelve. Right. <laughs> um, that's right. It's a whole that's right. Screen Anyway, it's just yeah. it's just an empty shell into which to pour all the things I don't like about how racism is addressed in school. Um, yeah. So so I I get really alarmed about these bills, because even if they, they're, they're clearly unconstitutional, even if they're unenforceable, um, that's enough if I'm a teacher and I'm not supported by administration to change what I do in my classroom.
1: Yeah. And and that some school boards, as you have mentioned earlier, might actually take up that cause, um, as we were right. here finding. And and just one other thing. I know we're running out of time. I told you it goes really fast, but um I you yeah, know well, I, I I saw a lot of when this was released, I saw a lot of um, you know, kind of panels uh you know, put on and whether they were uh on on news uh shows and 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 talk radio um these panels uh said things like there's not a credible historian that will sign on to this this 1776 Mm. commission um and and that they had a difficult time finding people who were uh dare I say mainstream respectable history um experts um from you know the nation's top universities wouldn't wouldn't uh, uh endorse it is that is that true I mean I'm 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 going on what I heard, and so what? What's your right. what? What are your thoughts about who who endorsed it?
2: I I mean I don't know any historians doing you know recognized work in in particularly the period of early America who have endorsed this. Um, it's and, and the report is just it's it's polemic. It's not curriculum. It's not scholarship. Um, it's it's fear based polemic um, and you know, even the very notion of patriotic education and the way it's cast in this report, yes, um, yes. that's a contradiction in terms, honestly. I mean, mm-hmm. The report says over and over, they want um explore the past. that they say at one point to restore our society, academics must return to their vocation of relentlessly pursuing the truth. Well, yes. that's what brought me here to think that this report right. is nonsense. I was relentlessly right. pursuing the truth. <laughs>
1: Exactly, exactly,
2: so, so yeah I, I don't know anybody who's able to take it seriously just because of the nature of the document it's It's not yes. written to be taken seriously it's It's written to create a pact to fund school board elections and I think, I
1: think you're right I think you're right, thank you, thank you so much. Well, you know, I really appreciate yeah. you on uh, taking the time we've gone over just a little bit, um but this has been a oh, great conversation, <laughs> and actually we're we're going to continue to talk about um history over the next uh two broadcasts over the next couple of weeks. I'm glad that you were here to kick it off talking about the 1776 project. But next week on the twenty third, I've invited the executive director of the American Historical Association, James Grossman, um, who um is going to talk about um American history curricular in the US and and that organization's organization's thought about um, this this uh, um, matter and and the issues at hand regarding um, this uh, patriotic education, as you put it. Um, and then the following week, we have a gentleman that's going to come on the 30th, um, also on Wednesday at 6 p.m. Um, to talk about the sixteen nineteen project, so we 're not just going to you know kind oh, of take oh. aim at the seventeen seventy six commission, um, but talk about this because I think all of these are right in here together where we separate kind of fact from fiction and um, and 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 hope to get somewhere closer to the truth um, and so i 'm excited to have um uh, dr grossman join us tomorrow as well uh i mean uh, tomorrow next week as well um but uh, Lindsay, it has indeed been a pleasure hopefully um we can i know you're working on a, a manuscript right now uh that's uh looking at the intersection mm-hmm. between uh about the wars of western expansion of the 19th century um and 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 uh, a topic i'm very interested in is how this stuff appears in u.s history textbook narratives um that is something i it's a wild story yeah yeah so i'm looking forward to it do you have a a working title already
2: uh teaching us to forget
1: (laughs) Ah, (laughs) oh wow teaching us to forget. Wow. Great. Well, so I'm going to keep an eye out for that. And um, so uh, listeners, thank you again for, for tuning in um, this month. Um, And so we're going to be back. Yes. Thank you. And until next time, go well, stay well, Lindsay.
2: You too.